Welcome, welcome to the Wizard and Wireless Network podcast with me, AJ. And me, Will. Together we will be bringing you our no-holds-barred thoughts, opinions and detailed analysis on all things Wizarding World. So with that in mind, grab a glass of fire whiskey and settle into this week's episode of the WWN. So, welcome to the Wisdom Wireless Network with your hosts, AJ and Will, streaming on all your favourite podcast providers and on YouTube. On today's show, we'll be talking about The Vanishing Glass from The Philosopher's Stone. Yes. So, interestingly, with all the chapters so far, obviously we've only had, this is only the second chapter in, but essentially this has been kind of in terms of movie-wise, essentially mm. so far playing out as the books have. And actually, it's giving you even more insight into how horrible the Dursleys are. Yeah, they're vile. Yeah. And actually how they've even treated Harry with something as simple as Dudley's birthday. Exactly. It really just does goes to show the um, the complete contrast between the two of them. It's on one hand, you've got this absolutely spoiled brat who is getting everything brand new, everything given to him on a plate. But then you've got Harry who is getting Dudley's cast-offs, his second hands, everything that Dudley had. I mean, there's not a single piece of clothing that fits Harry perfectly there's nothing that is harry's on his own mm. and likewise if you put it into comparison with the presents that harry's been getting and actually the fact that the last present was a coat hanger mm. you kind of see the stark dis- difference between the two of them and actually it's almost like they don't even care that most of Dudley's attitude towards presents. He doesn't care. He just cares about the amount of presents that he's getting yeah. and the flashiness of it. He doesn't actually care about the presents themselves at all. No, it's just quantity over quality. Yeah. And the fact that he's got no no disregard to having broken nearly all of them mm-hmm. because he knows that he'll just get more things next year, Christmas aunt will bring some stuff yeah exactly it's he just takes everything for granted because he knows he has the golden boy and he can do no wrong Mm. so i mean this chapter introduced dudley's friends as well into the mix yeah and if i'm being honest i was a bit sad that i didn't really get to see much of them in the movie apart from when you get to see them in the order of the phoenix but Mm. you don't see them at all throughout the philosopher's stone film i mean you've got pierce polkis and the rest of all of his other cronies. But mm. you just don't see them, which which is a shame because I feel like they could have added a lot to the whole stark contrast between the hatred that Harry gets in the Muggle world compared to the love that he gets in the Wizarding world. Yeah, so actually it would have highlighted even more of that differentiation between, like you said, that hatred he's getting from Muggles, but then the admiration he gets when he steps into Diagon Alley and like everyone knows his name yeah. everyone knows who he is and everyone wants to be around him and get to know him mm-hmm. whereas it's almost the complete opposite of like no you don't exist exactly it's like us. he from the moment he steps into Diagon Alley everyone wants to shake his hand everyone wants to you know say welcome back but Harry's just completely dumbfounded at that because he's never had that amount of admiration or respect mm. 
I think this is what was kind of lacking in in the films is the fact that it just doesn't you get a little glimpse of what the muggle life is like but it doesn't really hit hard as it does in the books yeah so having had more introduction to muggle life it would have accentuated that differentiation Mm -hmm. let's talk about kind of dudley's friends for a second because the way that they're described in the books and actually i think it's pierce that looks like a rat yep and i just found it quite funny like it's your stereotypical kind of like this is what a bully looks like yeah and each friend of Dudley's fits into those categories of like, we all knew that one kid at school who looked like a rat, who was the overweight bully. Yep. It's just your stereotypical kind of like, these guys could not be more stereotypical mm-hmm. than how they're portrayed. It's almost comical. And I think that was pretty much what it was meant to be mm. to sort of not leave that much to the imagination. Cause it went into quite a lot of detail as to, you know, their appearance and, how vile they absolutely were. Mm. And I think that was the whole point of it, to sort of say, this is what... Th- there's no blurred lines here. These are your stereotypical bullies and they are just as horrible as you can imagine them to be. Yeah. And I think, actually, the... Like you said, that's what's kind of missing, is you don't get that sense of Dudley being a bully. Mm-hmm to harry like he's not nice to harry in the films but he is a he's a real bully to him in the books like this is someone who you do not want to be around he's just not a nice person yeah i mean it's not even so much like teasing you know between like brother sister or even cousins in this case but it's just like sheer vindictiveness it's just evil yeah exactly it is just evil but i suppose it does sort of beg that question as to why is dudley like that but i know there's this theory that's sort of been floating around about you know the fact that harry is a horcrux and the reason that the Dursleys are so horrible to him is because he has a horcrux. I personally don't buy that. They're just dicks. Yeah, I think if that was the case, there would be more of that rippling out to other people that Harry comes into contact with. Exactly. I mean, when you think about it, the whole way throughout the wizarding world, I mean, don't get me wrong, you do... I mean, no one is perfect and you can't please or like everyone. Just sort of the same element being Harry did have some enemies and people just didn't like him to him but that's not because it was a horcrux no it's just different personality clashes exactly and if you think about how much it affected Ron when he wears the the necklace exactly the how much he actually changes and how much it influences him surely if that was the case with Harry there would be much kind of obvious um reaction to that mm-hmm. but there isn't no so I'm I'm personally not buying that theory. No, me either. Talking of Harry being a um, Horcrux. Yeah. Obviously, this is the chapter where we see him start talking to snakes. Yes. So, obviously, haven't been introduced to Parseltongue mm-hmm. before. And in the books, it doesn't give a hint that it is Parseltongue because we just see it as a, a normal conversation. Yeah. What do you think in terms of the introduction to harry being able to talk to snakes as a little side hustle it's like i mean it's like a little breadcrumb i mean it was never mentioned again up until the chamber of secrets when it became this big thing Mm. but i suppose 
when we sort of see it, we just think, oh, okay, mm. you know, fine, he can, you know, to snakes. But that's it. it. It's You don't really think about it that much. Yeah. And then obviously then your sort of attention is diverted away from that fact because all of a sudden Dudley's behind the cage. He's fallen through the vanishing glass and has then all of a sudden became the attraction at the zoo. Mm. And then you don't really think about it again at all. I mean, I know that I certainly didn't, not until the Dueling Club in Chamber of Secrets. And then it became this big, massive thing. It was like gag of the season. This boy, the boy who lives, can all of a sudden talk to snakes. And that's not a normal thing that other people can do. I know. I mean, and the thing is, but I mean, when you sort of think about it, Harry himself, he just thought of like, oh yeah, no, yeah, I can totally do that. Mm. I mean, it was an accident, but just once. I mean, a load of people can do it. Yeah. And then Hermione and her all, all knowing like, well, no, actually not. It's not a very common gift, Harry. And he's like, all right, well, sorry, excuse me. Excuse me, because I thought everyone could do it. So just because I'm a bit ignorant to the wisdom world. I know, excuse me, I've lived under a cupboard for the best part of 10 years. Yeah, I haven't spent 10 years in a library. Exactly. But I mean, like... Your parents might have been dentists. Mine were abusers. (laughs) And an uncle. And I think, like, I think the trouble for me is, like, in any kind of case knowing like how people are inducted into hogwarts surely there must be some sort of conversation that people have of like oh so how what was the first thing that you noticed that was kind of magical like that that never happens between kind of ron harry and hermione yeah i mean it was never really a conversation that they had but surely that's kind of like the first question that you'd want to know if that's like how people are picked to go to hogwarts or kind of like your kind of first time like you would ask. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of like that, you know, old adage, what was your first time like? Mm. You know, when did you first, you know, start doing magic? Yeah. And such like. So I'm just surprised that it never came up in conversation until kind of like the Chamber of Secrets where then it's out for the whole school to see. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice little nod and hint to Harry speaking past tongue, but I feel like it definitely should have come up in conversation a bit more. Yeah. And I suppose the more that you you sort of think back and look at it, you know, Harry then t- speaking to snakes initially at the beginning of Philosopher's Stone and then coming into Hogwarts and it gets all of a sudden that internal struggle of not being so desperately wanted to s- be sorted into Slytherin. Mm-hmm. And the sorting hat then saying, oh, you could be great, you know, in Slytherin. And it's, it's almost like, a, as I said again, little breadcrumbs sort of leading up to everything that we know yeah, like come the Chamber of Secrets. It wasn't the lion enclosure that Dudley fell into. Well, exactly. Exactly that's the thing. I mean, there's not a random Hufflepuff, you know, rolling about with badgers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like, to have it being a snake and being parcel tongue that Harry's speaking, again, like you said, it's that little breadcrumb that gets put in. Yeah. I mean, what's your your theory of the snake being Nagini? I'm all for it. I mean, I shan't lie to you. I think it's fab. I really do wish that if and when at some point down the line they do decide to do some more Fantastic Beast films, I want a Nagini origin story. I want to know how this beautiful Maledictus ended up coming to Albania and seeing Voldemort. 
I just really need, I need to know. I need how, to know the how gossip. They kind of how came. did this happen? Is there like a Horcrux Tinder? Did he all of a sudden go, oh, you're quite cute, swipe right, I'll put part of my soul in you. I need to know these things. <laughs> I, I, I need to know. People have to know. I'm now really curious. I, yeah, is there a whole crux Tinder? I mean, what is the prerequisite? Exactly. I think it's one of those things that's just never been clarified about what the requisitions are. Like, it can't just be an object because Nagini's alive, Harry's alive. So exactly. it can be in people. It can be. But I mean, I'm definitely all for a Nagini spin-off. Mm-hmm. Seeing how that... I think that was the one thing that I was looking forward to the most in Fantastic Beasts is actually having Nagini be a name drop and a character within it and not seeing any of that kind of connection of she's a nice, caring person, but then turns into Nagini. Yeah, exactly. It's like, where... where... Where's the trauma? Where is the trauma? What was the moment that pushed her over the edge? Mm. So, kind of overall thoughts of chapter two. Because, I mean, it really... The Vanishing Glass kind of starts and stops with the trip to the zoo. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't give you any more than, than that. So for me, it was, it's a very short, to-the-point chapter. But I mean, what what are your thoughts on the overall chapter? I mean, the overall chapter, I mean, the, sort, the thing is, as you can, as you would say, you can sort of, you can see J.K. Rowland's writing style progress as the books go on. And I think given this was our first, first of the Harry Potter books, you can sort of, you can see that it was possibly a bit of a filler chapter. But it was it was good in the sense because it sort of it was more breadcrumby. Yeah, that's probably what I would say because I mean I think you could you looking back you could probably have put a hell of a lot more of stuff into that because mm. when you look at chapters like the Order of the Phoenix or the Half Blood Prince, it's just a lot more chunkier. There's a lot more action that's sort of going on, and it's not so much action as such. But I feel like now looking back you would be able to say oh you could put that in there you could put that in there you could put that in there but i mean overall it was a great chapter because it was i mean dudley for one got his comeuppance to an extent Mm -hmm. and it just i feel like it was very much very well portrayed quite well in the film yeah because it just did sort of show how hysterical aunt petunia is over anything bad happening to dudley Mm. And more so like anything embarrassing. Exactly. Because it kind of plays, it goes back to what we were saying about the characters themselves of like, she has to be the perfect, pristine family. Like like, no embarrassment. They can't be seen to be like, they can pick out other people doing things wrong in public spaces, but God forbid that they do it themselves. Well, exactly. So actually they kind of all get a bit of a back slap. Mm -hmm. Obviously Dudley getting his comeuppance, but... Petunia actually being shown up in public as well so yeah I think overall I do agree that it was definitely it does feel like a bit more of a filler chapter yeah but but there's nothing wrong with that in any way shape or form but the thing is it doesn't feel like a filler chapter because you still got breadcrumbs in it yes it's still giving you little details of even though actually one nothing really happens but it actually still gives you that breadcrumb 
for the Chamber of Secrets. So there's still a thought process behind kind of the information that she's giving you. Yeah, I mean, sort of put it this way. If you're a first time reader, it might feel like a filler chapter. Mm. As someone who has done numerous rereads, it's not because you're like, ha, that's going to come up. Ha, that's coming up. Oh, I see what you did there. Can I type thing? Yeah. It's a good, it's still a good chapter, but I feel like if it's one of those ones where if you think about how they're going to do, like if they do the TV series as a chapter by chapter, episode by episode. See, this is the thing. Will they add more stuff in to fill that out? And then it becomes a real filler episode. Yeah. Because it already is a filler chapter with one thing happening that's kind of a breadcrumb. Yeah. But nothing really happens in it. So actually to have a whole hour long episode going to the zoo, I I don't see that working. No. I mean, I suppose what they could do is, you know, put a bit more beefing into the characters, as it were. So, for example, a bit more character building for the Dursleys, a bit more character building, you know, seeing Piers Polkas, the rest of Dudley's bullies, bully friends, seeing their parents, seeing where they live, stuff like that. Yeah. Just to sort of add to the, the world a bit more. Um, yeah. I suppose so. I think it's, it's whether or not we then need to see it. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I get it. That would be interesting to get a bit more background, a bit more information and everything. But it's whether or not it detracts too much. Because there's so many TV shows now that are hour-long episodes. But actually, if it slows down the pace, what is the benefit of having an hour-by-hour episode? Exactly. So, yes, it would be nice to get a bit more background. But actually, is it even really that relevant? Because realistically, Dudley's friends... They are just background characters. We don't need a spin-off. Mm-hmm. We don't need a Pierce Polkis spin-off show. No, we do not. I'd like them to try and incorporate maybe this chapter into one of the other episodes so it's not a chapter-by-chapter. Chapter. Yeah. It would be very interesting to sort of see what they are going to do with the whole episode layout. Mm-hmm. As in, are they going to have a chapter by chapter, as in episode by episode? Because I find it very difficult. I mean, how many chapters has the Order of the Phoenix got? Over 30 at least. You're not going to have a 30... Episode season. An episode season. I mean, it's not Grey's Anatomy. No. Like, we're not talking about Friends. We're not talking about Hobby City. It is a case of this is going to be condensed at some stage Mm -hmm. are we going to get a 10 episode per season yeah and therefore chapters are condensed down Mm -hmm. i don't know it'd be interesting to see what they do with it yeah so would there be anything in this chapter that you would necessarily change i don't really think so i mean if i'm being perfectly honest I, i would struggle to find anything to put in or take out of it because I think, as I say, if you're reading the Philosopher's Stone for the first time, you would think there's not really much going on in this chapter apart from Harry's probably initial display of power to us mm. as a reader mm. and as a viewer. But I wouldn't really know what else to put in it or take out of it. But do you think it's then a bit of a... I know you've said it's a filler, episode, uh, filler chapter, but would you 
would you have condensed it down even further? Would you have written it as maybe a bit of a chapter, whereas actually it wasn't a full chapter itself? I mean, you could probably have divided that chapter over chapter one and chapter three. Yeah. Or even just put chapter two in with chapter three. Mm. Yeah, and had it just a bit more of a chapter going on, but that wasn't the main point. Yeah, no. Because I think it... Reading through it, you kind of end up going from chapter two into chapter three, and it it is a follow on. It is, and it sort of goes from like zero to a hundred very quickly. Yeah. As in, let's go to the zoo. All of a sudden, you've got this big bear of a man knocking down your door, telling this boy he's a wizard. Yeah, it's like, whoa, what's happened here? Yeah, like it really kind of ramps up very quickly between those two chapters. Yes. Do you think actually having it in there as to kind of slowly build up? the chapters was a good idea definitely yeah so obviously we've had the huge introduction to the wisdom world with the introduction of three of the main characters plus harry Mm -hmm. and then it's kind of let's go back to the muggle world let's kind of rewind a bit actually we've moved on nine and three quarters years yep this is now where harry's living this is the situation and this is kind of the situation he's in yeah I think it was probably a better idea to have that kind of slower pace because you're kind of resetting. You've introduced... You, so you've reset into the fact that the muggle world is boring. But you're now seeing Harry at the age that he's going to be. Yes. And I think what's then quite nice is the fact that you then have the... Not necessarily stark contrast, but the fact that it's been so long since the fall of Voldemort, Mm -hmm. but nothing's changed in terms of the Muggle world. Like, they're none the wiser, nothing in the real world has changed. Wizards hasn't suddenly, like, come out and are everywhere. Yeah. Still in hiding, and we've carried on pretty much as, as we were. Yeah. So I think, actually, in that regards, the reset was fairly justified because you've got your kind of prelude with chapter one and then chapter two is really kind of the start yeah what would you how did you find that the adaptation worked i mean i thought it was very good i thought for the chapter for what it was it was short it was sweet and it was very well condensed and it was very well portrayed in film Mm. yeah i mean literally it, it almost feels like a word for word Adaptation. Yeah, in in the movies. And actually, the fact that you, like we said, it's almost like chapter one is the first part of the film. Chapter two is literally the next part of the film. And so far, they have done it in terms of an adaptation, stuck very much, very closely to the books. Mm -hmm. The only, obviously, bit is that kind of wider EU bits of having Dudley's friends being a part of it so i mean i'm not really going to go too much into kind of the wider eu because we've tra- we've really talked about nagini being potentially the snake that's kept in captivity i mean you've got the argument of the fact that well if it was raised in captivity how could it have been nagini exactly but is does it say that the snake's from albania not necessarily. I think it said it's from Brazil, Brazil but it was it? bred in captivity. Mm. So is it a guinea? Well, Doubtful, it... mm. if going by that. Yeah. 
I mean, I do like the fan theory of it being Nagini, but I think actually the evidence is overwhelming. The evidence is overwhelming. We have the receipts. And I just don't think the story marries up. No. Other plausible theory. Mm. There was two snakes called Nagini. One of which was a maledictus. Not stereotyping that we all have. I was going to say. Yeah. I'm just stereotyping myself in that camp at this point. I'm not one to talk. Well. So, I mean, what... Did you... Overall, did you like the chapter? Yeah. I mean, if you ask me this question at the end of every chapter episode, my answer will always be, yes, I did. (laughs) But I'm very biased. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there are a few chapters that I don't particularly like, but we're not there yet. Okay. I mean... Like we've said, this is a filler episode. Filler. This is a filler chapter. And it's not boring, but it's not the most exciting thing that happens. Mm. It could be worse. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think this chapter kind of like neatly ties in with the first chapter and goes into the third chapter? Do you think it's a good bridge? So we said it's obviously filler, but do you think it's a good bridge chapter then? Yeah, absolutely. So actually where this stops off... In terms of they've just gotten back home and it goes into then what will be chapter three? Yeah. Okay. I think actually that's the one thing that's almost overlooked with the movie adaptation is the fact that it almost kind of this is one thing happening after the next. So yeah, in the books, it's kind of this is one thing that's happening after the next. But in the films, it's almost like this happens maybe a month later. You've got the letters arriving? Yes. Whereas this is meant to be one one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. Very quick succession. Nothing has happened for nine years. And now suddenly... It's all happening. It's all kicking off. Yeah. So I think, yes, it does work well for a bridge episode. Because you've kind of skipped the nine years. Come straight in and everything's happening. Yeah. But it is one of those chapters that you just kind of have to get through. Yeah. So, I mean, overall then, the chapter itself, we've said, is, is pretty much just a filler filler chapter. It's got some good breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. But otherwise... Tasty breadcrumbs. Very tasty breadcrumbs, but one that you're not going to taste for quite a while. Yes. But essentially, it is what it is. You just have to get through it. But it's not a bad chapter. God, no. And the thing is, is what's quite nice is it's, it's a short and sweet chapter. You can get through it fairly quickly. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning back into the Wisdom Wireless Network. Um, I have been Will. I have been AJ. So join us next week for our Folio Universitas um, episode. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.